Jones here, about to review Justice League, the Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut. Sounds so cool, doesn't it? Sounds so cool. Um, I have been a self-professed denier, maybe too strong. There was a time where I just didn't get DC. I just didn't get it. I have to confess, since Joker, and actually a lot of the Batman films, Dark Knight Rises, The Dark Knight, you know, there are huge things I like about the DC universe. The darkness of Gotham City, that sort of film noir kind of bleak, stylized, highly stylized fictional world. Whereas, you know, the Marvel universe, I often characterize it as sitting within a sort of more, not documentarist, but if you think of things like Black Widow and Captain America, well, let's say the Avengers, but certainly not the Guardians of the Galaxy, but you know those films that sort of, they sit within a real world, a world that's tangible, a world of ours. I mean, don't get me wrong, Gotham City is tangible. It's obviously inspired by New York City, but there's something about it. There's everything about it is slightly sinister and extreme. All the buildings are pointy. They've all got bats and they've got gargoyles and things like that. Anyway, I came, I've come to this, not having watched the first Justice League. It didn't float my boat, the thought of it. I didn't hear great things about it, the Joss Whedon one. Um, I also have come to this cut, despite a lot of you guys really trying to help me out by saying, watch Man of Steel, watch Batman v Superman. Um, I haven't, here's another confession, I've not watched either of the Wonder Woman films either. So I'm really coming into these elements blinkered beyond belief. But I did come into this knowing that Superman has essentially, in inverted commas, died. I mean, do superheroes ever die? I think they sort of, they, they go on sabbatical, don't they? And, and, and then they come back. So I knew that Superman had waned. And in a weird way, this film, right at the beginning, sort of re-helps the viewer that hasn't seen that or doesn't have that prior knowledge and, and reminds you of the sort of huge, crazy battle fight to the death in which Superman snuffs it. Um, I've never been a particular fan of Superman either. I mean, when I was a kid, I always found the Superman movies a little bit cringe, a little bit embarrassing. I wasn't a big fan of Christopher Reeve. I found the whole Lois Lane thing a bit annoying. I liked, um, I liked, was it, uh, was it Thingy Hackman? Um, Gene Hackman, who played Lex Luthor. I like Lex Luthor. Uh, so anyway, so, you know, that's that's where I was coming into this. I was also coming into this slightly prejudging Zack Snyder. Um, I felt, did he do 300? You know, I just found some of his films, or when I've seen trailers for his films, I've always been a bit po-faced and I've always thought, wow, they look so... It's not even like CGI'd, because, I mean, Marvel films are very CGI'd and, you know, the Star Wars films are very CGI'd and all that kind of stuff, but... There was a sort of, not even a CGI to the Snyder films that put me off, but it was the fact that you, you almost didn't know whether you were in animation territory versus, you know, CGI territory. Uh, and even CGI that combines with real action, if you know what I mean. So anyway, so lots of pre-judgment possibilities here. But I really wanted to see this. It's four hours long. It's landed on HBO Max. They were going to serialise it. It's an epic watch. And I've just got to the... Well, not just got to the end of it, but I got to the end of it about a week ago. Uh, and it seems a crying shame not to give my opinion on it, especially, especially DC fans, given that this four-hour epic has single-handedly clobbered me into submission. I thought Wonder Woman... <laughs> I have to say, I thought Gal Gadot 
was absolutely sensational. I thought she pitched it perfectly. I mean, obviously, it's not just about her. It's how much presence she's given by the director and what have you. But I thought she, when she stepped forward, she was so good. Her, her action hero choreography, her presence, her screen presence, her sort of coolness was great. She was crisp. She, you know, I've always found Wonder Woman a bit eggy because I always think of the Wonder Woman from the TV series years ago where she always looked like she was wearing sort of, not even hot pants, but like a nappy. And and so I've always thought Wonder Woman is wearing a nappy and that's not been a good image. And it's possibly why I've not wanted to watch Wonder Woman the films, especially when they had fanny packs in them and they were riffing on the 80s. I'm not a big fan of the 80s. And so, and so I found Wonder Woman really engaging. I found her cool, I found her sexy, I found her really watchable. And there's that one particular scene where she protects that sort of um, school outing. I thought that was really powerful. I really liked that. And that was right towards the beginning of the film. So she was a huge surprise. Uh, and then she sort of takes a back seat for the rest of the film, really. She's sort of one of the many, you know, she's one of the Justice League. Batman, Batman. Let's talk about Ben Affleck's Batman. What a weird guy. I mean, I love Ben Affleck. I'm a huge fan of his. I'm a huge supporter of him personally in real life, of his struggle against alcoholism and all that kind of stuff. But there was something strange about him. Now, now before you pull me up on this, I know that Batman is supposed to be austere, quite sort of dark, quite cool, quite cold, quite removed. I mean, Christian Bale played it like that too. I'm sure Robert Pattinson's probably going to take that approach to the Batman but even when he had the mask off, there was no... It, it was almost like he, even as he moved... <laughs> very stiff. Jeremy Irons, loved him as his assistant. I always forget his name. I always want to call him Jeeves, like in Jeeves and Mortimer. I thought he was brilliant. Uh, but Batman, you know... And there was one particular... Well, I'll talk about the moment later between Batman and Superman. What this film did very well for me was it, it introduced me to Cyborg. And I thought Cyborg was great. I thought his tussle between, you know, him and his mum and then his, you know, the death of his mum and then him becoming a cyborg and his father being the creator of his cyborg nature, but his father potentially having sort of flipped to the dark side and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was all brilliant. Um, so they, there was a bit sort of almost an Oedipal complex thing going on there. So I really, really liked that. And I thought the guy who played Cyborg was, was fantastic. Aquaman. I found him really cool. He didn't annoy the pants off me. I thought he kind of just sashayed his way through every scene. He wasn't, you know, I, I enjoyed Aquaman the film, but I, I don't know, I just found fishy stuff just a bit weird and a bit splashy and it's all a bit, mm -mm, a bit too CGI. But, you know, seeing Aquaman out of the water, seeing Aquaman just kind of hanging around. I, I liked seeing Aquaman in all the bars. I like the fact that he's a huge drinker. Uh, I like the fact that he was sort of like, you know, he'd slam into a bar and he'd sort them sort of fight out and sort the shit out. So I quite liked that. I thought that was nice. Flash, he was fun. Uh, and when Flash came in, it reminded me that there are many parallels, aren't there, between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DCEU in terms of types. You know, Batman's very much the sort of affluent tech creator, the sort of billionaire, the entrepreneur, just like Stark is it, with, as Iron Man. Um, I very much felt that Flash was the sort of a bit wet behind the ears kind of teenager who through his sort of puppy-like enthusiasm would stumble stumble and find his way to solutions. Very like Spider-Man, Tom Holland, brilliant in the Spider-Man movies. Uh, so I sort of feel there's an equivalence between Aquaman and Thor. Aquaman's got his trident, Thor's got his hammer. Um, and then, you know, super now, Superman. 
Now, I haven't, as I've just said, I've never been a fan of Superman. I've always found it a bit eggy. I find the curl a bit eggy. Uh, I don't like the idea of someone being so strong, bar obviously kryptonite, that he can't be overwhelmed. And yet when he appeared in this film and he was this sort of malevolent force, this made him really interesting to me. I thought I thought this gave Superman some kind of range and colour. Obviously, it was attached to his love of Lois Lane. Lois Lane, played by Amy Adams, starts to pull him out. You know, I, I even really enjoyed the sort of time taken. And I think this is what I liked about this, the four-hourness of this epic. I was allowed to sit with characters in a superhero universe for quite a long period of time. And I think this benefited from the same thing that I think some of the series that are, that are on on Disney Plus are benefiting from there, which is you can you get more characterization. Now, that characterization might be about silly stuff like superpowers and all that kind of stuff. But to sit with these characters for longer just makes you care about them a bit more. And when you've got great actors like Amy Adams uh, and Carvel, you know, I, I don't know. I just found Superman layered. I found him layered. And, and, and I've never wanted to watch a Superman film in my life. And I, so I found that whole scene, what I wanted to say was the scene between Batman and Superman, because I know they have beef. I found it really genuinely edge of my seat sort of stuff, not knowing whether Superman was going to be able to be snagged back into reality as the whole Justice League were all trying to kind of essentially say, come on, pull yourself out of it, punching him around the face. But he's so supremely strong, Superman. How the hell do you get through to him? That was great. What about the villains? Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf was so cool. I loved Steppenwolf. I thought he was, I mean, at times I thought that sort of whole horn action on his head was again, was it getting in the way I wanted to see his face? And then when you saw his face and then he had, was it Darkseid? Is that his nephew, the other guy, the bald-headed one who looks a bit like an orc from Lord of the Rings? I thought, I thought that was intriguing. I, I felt I wanted to see, I could have done with a bit more of Steppenwolf's own personal ambitions, but I liked Steppenwolf. I, I thought he was both... He was invincible in that sort of Thanos way, but you also felt he wasn't entirely in control. And I mean, obviously, without giving away the end of the film, I mean, I, I found Steppenwolf. I like Steppenwolf. I, I, I now want a Steppenwolf uh, action character. He's, he's a very cool design. I do get a bit bored and a bit irritated, though, by these like the mother boxes. I found all that a bit irritating. It's a little bit like the gemstones on the gauntlet, Thanos's gauntlet or the infinity stone, is it? Or whatever it is, or box that they're all searching. I mean, me and the girls, even in the Marvel films, get a bit fed up them hunting some bloody stone. Why does it all have to pivot around some stupid stone or a stupid gemstone or something like that? I get that that's important for the comic book lore, mythology, mythos, all of that kind of stuff the universe creating and all that kind of stuff. But for me, I'm always more interested. That's why I thought Cyborg's uh, story arc was really interesting. Now, I also like the scene setting here. I've already talked about Aquaman and his sort of, you know, fisherman sort of pubs and stuff like that. I like those. I love the scene towards the end where uh, Jared Leto's uh, Joker appears. It's like a dream sequence, but it's this sort of apocalyptic Armageddon sort of Chernobyl-like uh, sort of post-nuclear you know, destruction, a terrible apocalyptic oh, horror sort of place. I thought that was really beautifully drawn. I thought the production design, the set design, the the what CGI there was, was really niftily created around the reality. Batman swears. Batman says fuck, I think, at some point. That's so cool because it just shows that comic books have grown up. So yeah, it's so cool. Wonder Woman's, where, where Wonder Woman's, you know, female warriors come from. Again, I haven't seen the Wonder Woman film, so I don't know who they are. I don't know what they're about. I liked all of that. That was giving me, you know, I was getting at times Game of Thrones vibes. I was getting Lord of the Rings vibes. 
And then with those weird kind of flying monkey things, at times I was getting the Wizard of Oz vibes. Didn't you find those sort of flying in things with their kind of wings and their... I thought they were really malevolent. And I thought there were times where this was really genuinely creepy. And yet at the same time, I also found it really film noir-y. Especially in you know, those scenes with J.K. Simmons sort of wandering around with the Batman light on top of the buildings and all that kind of malarkey. So I liked all of that. So what's my sum up? My sum up is this absolutely held my attention. Okay, I watched it across three or four sittings, but you know, it's four hours. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really rich. I thought it made me care about, and I was interested in all these characters that I thought I knew I knew enough about already. I'd already dismissed Wonder Woman as this. I'd already dismissed Aquaman as that. And it made me care about them. So in many regards, I think for DC and Warner Brothers, I think, you know, it seems a shame that Zack Snyder can't pursue some of the narrative storylines that he's sort of kicked up for these characters. Why can't we have more Snyder cuts? Why can't we have Snyder doing more stuff? Um, I thought this was really rich. I thought it was really ambitious. I thought it was really entertaining. I think it's one of the best epic superhero-esque type films I've seen. Um, it was clearly parked in an escapist realm. I liked it for that. It was absolutely rich. It was really absorbing. It reminded the 11-year-old me of The Clash of the Titans and all those brilliant, brilliant, brilliant films. If I had been watching this when I was 11, 12 or 13, I'd have wanted to watch this four, five, six, seven times. And in many ways, maybe the fact that everyone's had to wait so long for this will mean that this film will sit a little bit like The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, where, you know, we've had such a long wait for it. Maybe we need such a long wait for something else like it because this was really, really rich. And it's turned me completely round on all these DC characters. It has cleverly enticed me and seduced me and brought me to, believe it or not, and Maddie can't believe this when I say it to her, the DC Extended Universe. For more film and family fun, don't forget to click the subscribe button and make sure to click the bell to never miss an update.